Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, January 1st, 2023. Today's sermon is on the 10 essentials. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org. Click the current sermons link at the top and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. As we gather together this morning and take the Lord's Supper, which we will do at, at the end, um, um, I just, <clears throat> excuse me, we all right, JP? But as we gather this morning, we're going to venture off of Hebrews today just to focus a little bit on um, evaluation. And uh, just as the Lord's Supper tells us to, as we approach the table, that we, that we look at ourselves and we look at our sin and then we remember Christ and remember that He died for our sins. But we always come evaluating and thinking and examining ourselves. In fact, it's a command. And, uh, and so, with, with that in mind, uh, it won't be a normal sermon, and I'll, I'll get into that as we go a little, go into it. But let me pray, as I normally do, and ask the Lord to help us. And before I pray, um, I just remembered one more announcement I forgot to put on the announcement, Scott. Um, the 13th, Friday the 13th at our house, 7 p.m., we're, we're going to have a prayer time in January, so I'll send that out as well. Uh, But let's pray together, and then we'll get started as we focus on the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day that we can meet together. Thank you for, Father, just as we look at it, just another year that has come and gone. And uh, here we are on January 1st, 2023, and you brought us here um, today. And we just give thanks. We are so grateful for you are good to us. And we know that you are working all things for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. We know that you are sovereign and you are providentially working all things according to your plan. And uh, we are just, we are, we are small here in China Grove in this little place in this world that is big with all these billions of people that, that live in it, Father, and everything that's going on, but Father, you are good to us, and we don't take anything for granted. And So Father, today, we pray that you would help us as we take the Lord's Supper, as we remember, particularly remember the death of our Lord, as we examine ourselves and think about some things, and just pray that Jesus would be lifted up, the gospel would, would be proclaimed, I pray that Jesus would increase. That, that we and that I would decrease, Father, in spite of me. I pray that you would work. And, uh, Father, we just give you this time uh, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we come to a, another year. It's January 1st, tw- 2023. And as all years for us come and go so far, God has kept us here until this time. All of us, when we think about the, the last year, we remember the good a lot of good things. We also uh, remember the bad for some of us, as we know. Some years have more good than less bad, and at least the way we look at it. Um, and, and so for some of us, this year has been especially difficult. And there's been a lot of bad things. And uh, there's been more sickness. Possibly there's been, been more death in your family. Been more, more anxiety. Uh, more, a lot of things we could say. Depression, more even persecutions as a Christian Um, and according to the ways that God has made each one of us our disposition our personality um, 
The way, is God, the way God has formed our minds and our hearts and made each one of us, each of us cope and endure differently with, uh, with life. And, uh, and as I always say, and as you've heard others say, life is short and full of troubles. And our world is filled with sin and the effects of sin. And, and these things are evident. But God is sovereign over all of His creation. He is providentially working all things exactly according to His plan. And if we go back in the Bible, all the way back to at least the fall of Adam, God in His mercy and according to His love, God's promise still stands. And in fact, that's what we've been talking about in Hebrews. God's promise. Faith looks forward to God fulfilling all of His promises. The first promise of the gospel of Christ was found in Genesis 3.15. As God promised to crush the head of Satan, which that points forward to the particularly, I mean, the, all of the, the person and work of Christ and all that he's done, particularly the cross. This promise points there. And uh, this promise looks forward not only to destroy the works of Satan, the devil, but also to give, provide salvation from sin and death. And not merely to provide salvation from sin and death in this world, but also one day to completely destroy sin and death and the power of sin and to wipe away all of our tears one day. And then, at some point, to create a new heaven and a new earth. And this great plan is demonstrated and established in the person and work of Jesus Christ, while we are here today, while we meet as Christians. And so, <clears throat> particularly as we take the Lord's Supper, His death, and then His resurrection, and then His ascension, and all of these things we remember today as we take the Lord's Supper. Jesus says, He said, and He says to us, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we take the Lord's Supper today, we remember that all of God's promises are yes in Christ. So today, as Christians, we know that, that God is working all things for our good. No matter what came your way this year, and no matter what comes your way in 2023 as we look forward, God's promise in Christ will carry you through. It will carry me through. So no matter what is going on in your life, if you are a Christian, God is still working all things for your good. And so we know that as Christians. And as Christians, by faith, we hold on to what? We hold on to Christ. So we hold on to. That is what faith is designed to do. As Christians, we know that, Christian, that Christ Jesus paid our sin debt, that he laid down his life, as a sacrifice in our place. As one born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, he took on flesh and he lived a sinless life. And then when he cried out, laid down his life, and when he cried out on the cross, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, he took up our sins upon himself, and God punished him instead of us. God's wrath 
fell upon Him on the cross instead of us. The punishment that our sins deserved fell upon Him. And God's wrath was averted. So if you are a Christian today, I don't presume that everyone here is a Christian. I don't ever do that. But most of us are Christians, I know. If you are a Christian here today, if by faith you look unto Christ, then your sins are forgiven. The wrath of God revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness, Romans 1.18, is still there. It still resides upon those who reject the Son, those who oppose God and His Son. And this, but for Christians, we are reconciled with God. We have peace with God because of our faith in the Son. And this we remember. This is the gospel. And also found, as we will read in a few minutes, 1 Corinthians 11, there's a, there's a command for us to examine ourselves. And so today, as, we, as I just shared the gospel, and as we come to the table and examine ourselves, it's an opportunity for us to consider our sins and know that Christ has covered them. And then, in a heart of repentance, we not only confess our sins, we also have a great desire not to do them again. And that's what Christians do. I think of the verses where Jesus says, you know, cut off your, your, your right hand, your right hand or your left hand if it's causing you to sin. Gouge your eye out. It, it is so serious to know the truth and know you are sinning and then just keep doing it. And that's why Jesus, Jesus uses such language. And so as Christians, we know we are sinners. I mean, if we think about our sins this week, we could multiply them greatly. Whether it's losing patience with our spouse or our kids or getting angry with someone or even in our, in our anxiety and not trusting you know, what God has, we can go on and on with our, with our sins. Um, but Christ covers our sins. So as Christians, we confess our sins. We know that Jesus died for them. And by God's grace, with a repentant heart, we do all we can. As we hear sermons week after week and we, you hear from my mouth and the mouths of others truth from Scripture, then we leave this place and what do we do as Christians? We go to the Word. We read. We go, oh, this is for me. And we, we read special places that might deal with our, our plight or even how we're dealing with sin. We meditate. We memorize. We pray for God's help. And we... We speak with one another as Christians. And by God's grace, over time, what happens? We grow little by little, day by day, week by week, month, as God gives time in our sanctification, in our godliness. And so this is what we do with any kind of sin that comes before our hearts as we think about the Lord's Supper. And I always say this, but there's something great, something very helpful and to us as a church, that we take the Lord's Supper, Supper regularly. We, we could even do it more, but we do it first of the month, um, and it's a regular thing. And so it helps us just to remember. There's a reason Jesus said, do this when you gather together and remember my death, because as sinful people, we tend to forget. We tend to move away, and so this brings us back. 
for sure. Even if, even, even if in, my, in my preaching I may not be so specific about the gospel at some point or in our lives, we bring it back. And here we are on January 1st, 2023 with the death of Christ right before us again, remembering that he died for our sins. And for this, we are grateful. So with this in mind, I would like to do something. That I don't think I've done this before in a sermon but I would like, to examine, like for us to examine ourselves in just a, a larger way, a more fundamental way, as a, as a body, um, not just individually. This year, coming up, makes... Does anybody know how many years we've been meeting together at Grace? Throw it out there. I'm just curious. Somebody, anybody know? Candace says 15. She's got it right. Mary said it. I don't know. Some, okay. Okay. All right, so 15 years. Well, it actually be April. But uh, I remember back to that transition as, as a few families in here that are left, split off of, uh, of Blackwelder. And uh, our family was here on furlough, but we were living overseas um, in, in living in Russia. And I re- if I remember right, um, Kristen and I agreed to, uh, to become the pastor here at Grace. And then we returned to, uh, to Russia back, I th- can't remember if it was January 1st or de- into December, but I th- around 2007, December or 2008, January, we returned back to Russia where then we would spend three months packing up, telling everybody bye, and, and then transitioning back here to grace, and so that was 2008. Um, and so from January to April, when we were back in, in Russia, um, I, I, you guys, some of you, I think it was 11 families initially, but you guys met in home groups, is that correct? Weekly, and then once a month, those home groups would come together and, uh, and meet as a body for those three months, waiting on Kristen and I and our family to come back. And I remember those difficult months from January to April, and thinking back, God's made me in such a way that I don't dwell on things too much. Maybe that's why I can get through things. You know, as I say, God makes us differently. We all cope differently with problems and issues, and a lot of the things for me is just like water off a duck's back, you know. It just goes and comes just the way God has made me. But as I think back to that January to April, probably one of the most difficult times in our lives as, as, as a family, for sure. And for many of us in this group as well, very difficult few months. Um, and, you know, thinking back at that time, we felt, you know, God called us to come back here and be a pastor and to do this. And... and, and Back at that time, I really didn't have any experience, certainly didn't have experience standing up in front of people preaching, though I, I, ta- I taught often um, in our own home groups there, but I didn't, have, I didn't know how this would go. I don't think you guys knew how this would go. Um, I, I didn't really have any experience being a pastor. I had experience learning language, surviving, <laughs> you know, just meeting with people on a regular basis to just try to share the gospel and to try to to make disciples in that way, but I didn't know what to expect, but there were certain things that were, that were within me 
and uh, certain things that, 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 that we had been putting into practice overseas, which if you've been here, you know that as a church, our home groups and the way we structure things are heavily focused. Or We, we do that because, um, you know, of our influence overseas. And, and so you, many of you know that already. But there were some things, as I was in that January, February, March, April, looking forward to being the pastor, thinking, wow, what are we going to do? How are we going to? move forward you know what exactly so I, I I remember I wrote down a number of things um, 10 they ended up being 10 I didn't go I'm gonna sit down and write down 10 things because there, there could be more this is not exhaustive but I was thinking okay this is what I would like for if God gives some time this is what I would like for <clears throat> Grace Baptist to look like um, at some point and so these are some things that they're very important to me. And, and I remember talking to Greg Steinbarger about a month ago, and he said, John, you should probably at least share these with the church. I think, has anybody ever, ever heard me speak of or seen these written? Ten principles. Um, put it up on the screen there, just a little title there. Ten essential values, principles, goals. These are the things I was thinking about um, with the goal of glorifying God in everything that we do. Um, and so... What I want to do now is just spend a couple minutes. Some of them I might speak a little more to as by way of evaluation. They're not in any, well, the first one's in a particular order, but the rest of them aren't in any particular order. I might only spend a minute on one, but I want us to think about, as a church, how are we doing in some of these areas? And so this is a very pastoral time for me. And uh, like I said, I think the elders probably have known these things before, but let's, uh, let's just pull them up, and I'm going to just walk us through them. Some of them I may just mention and say a little bit, but uh, go ahead and move to the very first one. So I was thinking, and, and this is how I, I, I laid them out, create an environment where. So in other words, let's do things as a church so that how we do them then becomes these things. Create an environment, and I don't know how well we've done on some of these things, so you guys can help me today as we as we move forward but the first one is create an environment where worship is primary not just on Sunday morning it just seems to me that experience of church is myself growing up you, you just did that as a cultural thing you just went and then um, you, you, you listened to the preacher and you sang some songs some some hymns from the book and then you went home and then you did your duty and you did what was right um, and, and and that 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 was right especially if you're kids and you're being brought up to come and we just do that but worship is is 24 7 for those who have the holy spirit worship is everything that we do and so this one really is the umbrella in some ways for all the the remaining nine and and so um that's why i used to say we i don't think i hadn't said this in, in a long time but thank you for bringing the church to the building because oftentimes we're, we're, we're tied to buildings and things and so everything that goes on in a building is your worship. Then we separate it out. Oh, I've even heard it here through the years. You might say, oh, that's the pastor's coming over. Let's, uh, let's, get, let's move this from the shelf, okay? Let's move this. Let's change. No, but we know that's not if you've been listening to my preaching and you still do that, that's, that's a great sin because we are who we are, you know, and we do what we want to do. But we worship 
seven. So we wanted to, I wanted to just be a pastor of a church that, 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 that everything that we do is worship. So when we walk out that door and we go have lunch today and we have a conversation with someone or we meet our parents later on or we raise our kids in this way or we go to school or we go to work, it's kind of like the pray without ceasing thing Jesus says. You know, pray where Paul says, pray without ceasing. So worship is 24-7. Go ahead and pull up the second one. Create an environment where prayer is our heartbeat. I must say, and this is just very personal, this has been, I'm not sure that we've done a very good job of this. Um, in all honesty, that's something that, that, that you, you, can, you can attest to. Uh, prayer is our heartbeat uh, because that prayer is what a Christian does and I look at my own life and um, you know I think our, our elders when we meet every other week we do pray about usually about half of our meeting is 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 to pray and uh, but I've been very convicted of that especially in the last couple of years reading a book on community and uh, and so we are thinking about that more but I you know I would, I'd love to hear from you and, you know, how you think we're doing. We're, we're, we're thinking about adding another specific time of prayer um, in the worship service um, going forward. Um, and, and so we're, we're thinking through that a little bit. That's why the past six months I've personally said we're going to have prayer at, at my house. Um, and, uh, it, and, and if that's an indication, you know, it hasn't been very well attended, in all honesty, uh, on a Friday night, sometimes we've had one and two, and sometimes five or six or seven. And, and I realized, too, that speaking to that particular meeting, it's probably good that some of you, and even maybe most of you, don't attend that because of your lives and because things that are going on with your kids, especially, um, and, and things like that. But, um, but it's still going to be out there, and it's still something that I see and, and this is essential. It's almost like the one with the worship. We have got to pray more this year. And uh, so I want to challenge us and also confess my own inadequacy and my own sin in not praying. And you know where it starts. It starts finding that time every day to get into your closet. Not your closet, but in somewhere alone where you can pray. But that's something looking... If, if we do not have this... We will die as a church, okay, if, we do, if we're, we're not praying. And that's linked to other things as well. But let's go on to the next one. Create an environment where the gospel displays the glory of God. Okay. <clears throat> when Paul says, if I preach another gospel in Galatians to you, then let me be anathema. I think the greatest thing that we, one of the doctrinally, the best thing, the greatest thing, the number one thing we do as a church is to understand the gospel, which I've shared already in this sermon. God, God carrying out his plan to save a people in Christ. And so we have got to hold on to the gospel. And it's simple in that way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's pretty simple, but there's a lot more to it. So that's why we're very clear about our confession. I believe it helps us hold on to the gospel. If we lose the gospel as a church and we just become a social club or we just become those who do good works, teaching, you know, 
deal with just things of justice or, you know, equity or the big things that are in our culture that are all from the Bible, and we just, you know, heal people and, and, and do things with, with hospitals and schools and, and, you know, neighborhood feedings and all of these things. Those are all good. But if we move away from the gospel and we do that, we will become a church that will lose the gospel and then cease to be a church. And so I hope and I pray this has been the case, especially in my preaching, that we would get, maybe not specifically every single Sunday, but that we would get the gospel and we would hold it clearly and tight and that our elders would do that um, going forward. So that's a, that's a biggie. Go on to number four. Create an environment where the functions of the church are biblical, not worldly. We must govern ourselves biblically. One of the things that, that we've done here at Grace, we've really tried to make things simple by the way we govern ourselves, and we want to do it according to the Bible. Um, and so I, I think we've done that with having just elders and deacons and then preaching the Word, meeting once on Sundays, not being a, uh, you know, having all... Can, can you actually believe that we sit here today and we've yet to have a committee? Have you ever thought about that? How do churches function without committees? Have anybody, anybody ever even thought of that? You've got to have committees. If you take the committees out, you've almost taken, the, taken everything out of the church. But our elders are our spiritual committee and our deacons are physical committee. Now, I'm not against committees, and the committee might be brought forth sometime to do something, have nothing against those, but it should be, you know, gotten rid of when that task has been accomplished. But we have really been, hopefully, very simple. Um, and, and, and I'm sure there are things that we don't do well and right, and there are things that we miss it on. There are gray areas, um, for sure, with elders and deacons and how we do things. But I hope that we have, we have done that, that, that we have tried to create an environment where things are simple um, and simply straight from the Bible. And so that's very important. Go on to number five, Caleb. Create an environment where disciple-making is normal. I guess in my mind, what I think of that would be, you know, Titus 2, women, and then the older men teaching the younger men, and the older women teaching the younger women, and then meeting together in home groups, and not just home groups, but all of us seeking someone to be someone who would, who would mentor us. And disciple us. And at the same time, all of us then looking to do the same to somebody else. I mean, I think Second uh, Timothy uh, 2.2, he tells Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, raise up faithful men. And this is in the context of elders here, but it's a principle. Raise up faithful men who will then do what? Teach others teach other faithful men to be elders. Well, that principle goes throughout. And so, you know, from the elders' perspective, years ago, I'd always tell the elders, you guys start meeting with people, with men, and with families, and down the road, down the road, that will happen at Grace. And, and I, don't, I don't know how well, you know, I have my own perspective on that, and so do you. Um, but we've tried to stay away from programs and more just 
you know, things that happen naturally in relationships and, uh, and, and those kinds of things. So um, I, I hope, I, and I, what I'm hoping you guys do is give the elders feedback from this today because what we are doing is really evaluating today and examining ourselves. And so if you have been a Christian for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, 30 years, let's say 30 years, um, have you ever met with someone to read the Bible and to pray or to pick up a book or to um, you know, serve them just to do good to them? At the end of the day, that's what we do. When you say, what do I do to somebody if I meet with them? Do them good. That's what we do. Do them good. And how do we do good in, in the best? We do it by just reading the Word, praying with them, asking how we can help. And, and saying, how can we grow in Christ together? And so, thinking back, I, I hope we've done some of those, some of those things. And I, but we have a long way to go, for sure, in this area. Um, go ahead and go to number six. Some of these are going to be quicker. Create an environment where family unity is fostered. This is a biggie. Family has been very important, and we even put it in our, in our um, covenant that we would, as a church, um, observe family worship. And uh, we haven't had the, the formal, um, you know, kids' things and the formal youth things, though I'm, I'm not against certain things, and we're, we th- we're thinking about those things as elders even now. But at the end of the day, parents who claim the name of Christ, it is your responsibility to raise your kids and to make sure that your family is godly because if that's the case when you come here what will the church be the church will be godly and so and there's all kinds of issues that happen i can just say that the majority of 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 counseling in the church is still marital counseling because most of us are married and so marriage is is difficult um, and, and so that's where majority of it is, but also just having kids and raising them. So we want to create an environment where mama and daddy and kids can say, you know, we love Christ and our household is, is doing well um, and, and, and we are together um, on the gospel. And, and so I don't know how well we've done there and some things okay, some things not so well, but that's, that, that, that's been very important um, to us, for sure. Um, go on to the next one, Caleb. These will be um, create an environment where accountability is normal. And, and what, is, what is eight? Go on to eight. Create an environment where evaluation is normal. See, I'm thinking back through these things. This wasn't some thing that we put out there. Both of those, I think, go together. Um, and uh, I guess I, I can share, you know, every semester we do all about grace class we've had a number of people come in and if I'm just guessing I would say at least 50 percent of those who've gone through the all about grace class then decide grace is not the place for them I don't know if you're aware of that or not one of the reasons I think is because we are small um, and I think it's, it's really hard to to come under the radar at grace and that's intentional. Um, and so we, uh, we, wanted, we, we want to have a place to where accountability is normal. Where if, you know, when you come in and you're involved in something that you shouldn't be involved in, your Christian brothers and sisters know about it. And they say, hey, what's going on? How can I help you? 
You know, I, I see that you're struggling here. And so it's really hard to, just to, like a big church, would just to come and, and say, because a lot of people in, in our culture think this is, what, this is what it means to be a Christian, to be faithful and going to the building and hearing the sermon, and even if they can't make it, say they're out on, on, a, on, on a sporting trip or something, then they've done their duty by just listening to a sermon. And they go, okay, we did that. Um, and, and, but it's really hard to do that here at Grace. Maybe part of that is because we are smaller, and it, that's just the way it is. But we've wanted always, and I have looking forward, and I don't know how we've done with evaluation for sure. It's not like we send out evaluations all the time. We do that more as elders, but wanted to create an environment where accountability is normal. Um, and so I don't know how, how that has happened, um, but it, it's, it's been very important. Go on to number nine, Caleb. Create an environment where we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Read the Bible, but also read good books to help us grow. First thing we did, even back at South Rowan, we had a book table immediately. And so the budget is pretty big on books. If you go and look at the budget, I think. And so that's why when I go to conferences and things, I bring books and we put them. I read them. I put them. I've got a lot at home that I could put on there and we change out. But I wanted, I, it was important, I think, for us to, to think about our minds and read good books from good Christian men and women throughout history to help us think about what the Bible says. And that's, that's one of the reasons we have a book table. So we often do when we meet together. You know, I've had a number of times where I've met with one man, two men, three men. Last year it was eight men to where we've read good books. Um, and so I, <clears throat> that has been very important. So I always just keep encouraging us to meet together to read a good book. If you don't know what you should read, come to the elders and we can help you. And there are a lot of things there at the back. But we need to be thinking about our minds, um, not just the elders, but everybody. There's a, there's a lot of ways we can spend our time. And so that's, that's another thing, you know, going forward. Finally, number 10, create an environment where loving one another is normal. First John, <laughs> love one another. Jesus said a new commandment. Well, the new commandment is based upon the, the, the new covenant in his blood. Um, but often here, I think particularly, we, we've, we've hit this a few times in sermons. It don't happen all the time. But when we take the Lord's Supper right now in a moment, this is considered to be a, a love feast. We do it together. So how are we doing coming on Sunday mornings particularly, in our new home groups as we start, how are we doing in, in loving one another? And how do you know someone loves you? Well, God demonstrates, shows, commands, Romans 5, 8, His love towards us. So I would challenge this this year. In your home groups, there's a lot of people you can meet with, a lot of things you can do, but I would challenge you and myself and challenge us this year to, in your home groups, Love those people. You can love them. You're going to love all of us, but particularly demonstrate your love to those people in that home group in the ways that God has, has given you. Some can, can do other things. Some can just use your spiritual gift in love in whatever that is. And, 
if you think, oh, I can't do anything, well, yes, you can. You can ask somebody a question. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? And, and just move forward there in our home groups. And so um, those are ten core principles, core values. And I would like for us to continue going that. And there's probably some more that we can add to those things as well. But that goes back 15 years. And so you, you can judge for yourselves, and the elders can look, and we can judge as well. And so with that in mind, though, I'd like for us to move our attention now to the Lord's Supper. And you may have been sitting here this time and thinking, man, like me, you know, my, my prayer, prayer life, God, I have sinned because I have not cherished you. I have not put you above all things in my life that I would even think that I would pray today for five minutes by myself or this week or this month and some other areas that might be hitting you you know I, I've never really sought to here I am calling myself a Christian and I've never really sought to come under someone's personal you know to grab one of the elders and say bring me along or to be at the point to where you say you know what I'm going to seek someone else out and I'm going to bring them along in Christ or you know lots of things that that have come out on a larger scale and you might say oh yeah that's me that's me well part of just taking the Lord's Supper then is to say I don't want that and I can tell you if you are a Christian today if you have the Holy Spirit in you then over time you're going to be convicted about your sin um, because but if you don't have the Holy Spirit you won't be convicted it'll just be a duty it'll just be a, a worldly sorrow by getting caught or something like that. But if you are a Christian today, your spirit cries out, Abba, Father. And even if you go wayward, you're not going to be happy in your waywardness. Um, and so if you are a Christian today, you know what I'm talking about. And we come to the Lord's table and we know Jesus Christ died for our sins. All of them. And so rest in that today if you're a Christian. As you take, I know this is physical bread, physical juice represents the, the, the real Christ who actually, by the Spirit, lives in us and we behold by faith. But Christ is real. And Christ died for your sins. If you are not a Christian today, uh, do not take the Lord's Supper with us. If you are visiting with us, we do practice open communion. Um, but if you are a baptized believer in Christ, and you are not under discipline from another church, you're welcome to come and take with us. But if you're not a Christian, certainly do not take, because this is, this is a command to, to, we believe in the New Covenant, command to Christians. And so, um, in a moment when we do that. But let me <clears throat> just take a moment, and I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 11. This is Paul's um, rendition of, of what happened there in the, in the upper room the night before Jesus was betrayed. And I'm going to read this. Then I will uh, um, we'll have a, a, just a moment of, of silence, and then we'll do as we normally do. I guess the middle row, <laughs> whichever one has a little gap, you can come on up. But uh, let me read from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and following. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, 
This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But then he continues, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, which I've shared that through the years, and I'll keep doing that, as that was particularly the context of the, the Corinthians, and they were not loving one another. They were being selfish. But whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. There's our command. Then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. So that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together it will not be for judgment. And about other things, I will give directions when I come. So let's just spend a moment, and I'll ask uh, Jimmy if you'll make your way over to this side. And, uh, and I'll pray here in just a minute, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for another day, another Sunday morning, January 1st, another year before us. I pray that this year, if you give, Father, would be one of great growth and sanctification in each one of our lives and um, in the church here at Grace. And not just the church at Grace, but we pray for the church in the world as a whole. Father, you would work and, and move greatly in, in, uh, in your times and in your seasons and in your providence. But we pray that many, 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 many people would hear the gospel and be saved. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Father, help us this morning as we <clears throat> gather together and remember the death of our Lord. And we take the Lord's Supper together as we love one another. And we do this now because we know that one day we will have supper at the great banquet table in heaven. When, you, when the Lord Jesus comes back finally and consummates all things, we will not do this. Faith will not be needed. Hope will not be needed. But for now, Father, we trust your, your kindness and your goodness to us as you've commanded us to do this as a church and so we know that if we didn't do this we would not really be a church but father we take the lord's supper this morning and as christians we know that jesus died for our sins and in repentance and faith father jesus says without me you can do nothing and so father we know that we need christ we need him and i pray that you would give us great grace this morning and then as we look forward to this new year, and as we leave this place today to you, give us another time. I pray that you, your kindness and your goodness in Christ would 
would, would be greater than it has ever been. I pray for revival in our hearts. And I pray for greater endurance this year as we face um, life um, in this sinful world. Father, we know that Christ is sitting at your right hand. He has risen from the dead. Um, Father, and he reigns even now. But now we know that our sins are forgiven because of his death. Father, help us today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row Inn YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.